From the University of California, Irvine, this is UCI Minds Spotlight on Care, the podcast where we share stories, experiences, tips, and advice on caring for loved ones affected by Alzheimer's and other dementias. Hello today. Welcome to Spotlight on Care. And uh, we're very excited about today's uh, guest, Roger Riley. He's got some great things to share about how to connect memories with your loved one. Uh, but before we get started, I want to introduce my co-host, the lovely Virginia Nave. And uh, Virginia's going to talk a little bit about her experience in this area, and then I'll share my story as well. Go ahead, Virginia. Thank you, Steve. Well, you know, um, creating little, small, wonderful memories with my mom was not too difficult. Uh, She loved to take little walks. I would walk her around the garden and we would stop at blooming flowers and it kind of, it was good for me because it slowed me down. She had such an appreciation for just the little things that make life wonderful. I created a picture book for her with her grandkids' pictures and the names printed below the pictures so that You know, every time she looked at that book, it was the first time she had seen it. And she loved that. My brother Bob kept a boat down at Dana Point Harbor, and we would take her out for boat rides. And she would hold on for dear life, but she did have a great time. And those were good memories for us. What surprised me was when her dementia started to, you know, progress large social gatherings, um, it was almost social, it was sensory overload for her. Uh, Familiar lunch groups that we would get together with, we'd get there and she'd say, well, time to go. And it was five minutes after getting there. So those kinds of things surprised me a little. I thought, well, we'll be with all of her friends. And she, mm, it was making her uncomfortable. So we stayed with the little things, the little niceties of life and just one-on-one things. So that's my story. Oh, that's great, Virginia. Thanks so much. And in my case, um, I, you know, I, I was uh, very blessed with Patty to have uh, a pretty easygoing uh, time with my wife as, as the dementia progressed. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I'll always remember was towards the tail end uh, of the dementia, when you feel like you're just totally disconnected and, you know, there's really hard, hardly anyone to connect with, um, we found just an easy little way to do something special. Um, she would squeeze my hand and I would squeeze her hand and we would remember and laugh a little bit, a little giggle together as if we were kids again. And uh, so it was really something special that we did together. Um, and uh, I'll always remember that as kind of a, a special moment in, uh, in her life and my life. Nice. So with that, let me introduce uh, our guest today. Uh, Roger Riley is a good friend of mine and uh, has been involved in dementia caregiving for quite some time, not only dealing with his own wife, Marilyn, which he'll share some about, obviously, but also uh, Roger's been running a, a group through his church for, for several years where he actually uh, provides kind of the direction and coordination and, and assistance to people who, whose uh, loved ones are suffering from dementia. 
in addition to that, Roger has also written a book. Uh, the book is called A Caregiver's Partner, a, excuse me, A Care Partner's Survival Guide. And it's really a great book, and I've had a chance to read it. And uh, so Roger's got a lot of great things to share. So let me introduce Roger. Thank you. Virginia, I wish that uh, we had those precious moments smelling the flowers. Marilyn's, uh, Marilyn's voyage was a rocky one. She fought this disease. She did not want to go ahead and succumb to it at all. Uh, we fought the disease for 20 years from her early uh, discovery of it and the medications that we were taking. And through that entire time, she basically was angry about going into the dementia. Uh, she had experienced it both with her mother and her grandmother, and she wasn't going to be one of those victims. So her survival tool was denial. Yeah, and I don't think that's quite un uncommon. That's basically how they go ahead and maintain their self worth is to go ahead pretend that they can't really go ahead and be. They don't want to be part of that community. Yeah, it's too frightening. It's too frightening. Roger, how long were you and Marilyn married? We were married at her death 62 years. Yeah. Sweethearts in college. Uh, yeah, interesting enough that I, I was the second guy that Marilyn was engaged to. Yeah. So I managed to come in there and break up that first engage, engagement. I remember her coming back from a trip, and I hadn't talked to her a long time. I got on the phone and said, can we go, go for coffee? And she said, oh, I can't. I got engaged last night. She says, does that mean you can't have coffee with a friend? So now it was full court press. <laughs> well, obviously that full court press it was worked. successful. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It was a great marriage. So one of the things you shared with me and with many others is this, this idea of the benefits of memories, not only the benefits for your loved one, but also the benefits for you. Could you just describe in general the whole idea of doing things and how the payback actually happens for you as well? Steve, I've experienced that uh, just this last couple of weeks in anticipation of doing the interview. Yeah, as I've reviewed the kind of good times that we've had, reflected upon them, and uh, I've been overwhelmed with the good feelings it's brought to, to me. One of the things that you have taught me uh, and I've taught in my learnings uh, that with the Alzheimer's Association, praise yourself for the good job that you're doing as a caregiver. Don't forget to go ahead and praise yourself for that good job. Because yeah. it's so easy to be down in here in, in the potholes of life. Yeah, you often use the word magic when you describe this idea of memories. Um, what does that word magic mean to you? The word magic, yeah, that's a ringer. You basically, you, you threw a ringer at me, Steve. Well, that's the idea, right? i yeah. got to get it all out of you. Right. What is the word magic? Yeah. It's a warm feeling of remembrance of... Joyful and happy times. It's a magic kingdom. Yeah. Well, when you started, you know, dealing with Marilyn's illness, um, I recall you talking about the fact that you decided to take a class and that you, you both started writing together. So could you talk about that experience as one of the ways that... Absolutely. Uh, 
there was a class on memory writing giving at our senior center, and I, I had had a need to go ahead and record her life for the benefit of my children and my grandchildren. Uh, it had been spontaneous. Uh, yeah, that idea had been planted by a broadcast one morning that I was listening to on the radio. Uh, a fellow named Steve Josephson, and he had a little blurb of character counts. And in this blurb, he talked about in the Jewish tradition that it was appropriate for the patriarch and the family to gather the family around and share his legacy. And his legacy was his value system. It was not his wealth. It was not his pocketbook. <laughs> but uh, And I was troubled by that. And I said, you know, I need to do that for my wife while she can still participate in. So we joined a class together. And the assignment was to you write three or four pages per week on an assigned topic. You know, where were you born? Tell me about your relatives. What's your favorite trip? Uh, yeah, topics that were you put. Uh, I tried to get Marilyn to do it, and then I tried to, tried to get her to go ahead and dictate what her story would be. Found out that it was too threatening to her. So I ghost wrote her story. At the same time, ghost wrote mine. And I found myself, the topic that the teacher gave us was, not, was too narrow for me. So I would write two or three stories a week uh, for her and for me. Two, three pages ended up in a book that I could go ahead and put together along with photographs, uh, self-published the book, uh, gave it to the grandkids and gave it to the kids. And something I was continually able to share with Marilyn as her disease advanced. So these were short story moments that we could share. So the book not only had value in terms of the process of writing it together, but you also used the book again and again with Marilyn as the disease yeah, progressed. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, how difficult for our audience out there who would think that, ah, you know, writing, I don't know how to write a story. Uh, talk a little bit how difficult it was for you. Uh, the moment you pick up the pen with a piece of paper in there, fortunately a large piece of paper and a felt pen, the, the, the words just magically come as you because you're talking about happy times, good times. You're talking about memories. Uh, interestingly, was it good for Marilyn? Absolutely. Was I was a major beneficiary of this whole thing because as I did it, I got out of the hollow that I was in as a caregiver, being overwhelmed. Got to the point that it reflected and said, "Whoa, these happy moments are the real value. This the grid of our marriage." Well said. So just starting the project, getting it going. Don't worry about how much you write. Don't worry about. And once you get into the flow of it, after time, just let it happen. Yeah. Thanks. So that's a good message. I, I've talked to a few people who've taken the time to, to write this story. I had an opportunity to write it with, about my wife and her experiences. Uh, and um, unfortunately, I didn't write it with her, but I wrote it after the fact. But it was cathartic. Oh, without Very question. Very cathartic. So, um, okay. Uh, there are a couple of other things that you and Marilyn did. Um, can you talk a little bit about your slideshow? Sure. Uh it was apparent that Marilyn's life was going to be shorter than she had planned and that I had planned. 
And as I thought ahead and thought, okay, how do we celebrate this wonderful life? I realized that almost every celebration that I had gone to, there was the obligatory slideshow. And I didn't really want that slideshow. I didn't want the slideshow to interrupt with the dignity of a, of a service. And I didn't want the slideshow to interrupt the jovality of friends gathering and celebrating this good life. So I sat down, went to all of my photos, the albums, uh, started taking uh, photos out of the albums, realizing I was destroying them, and how would I get them all back in the same thing? So I picked up my cell phone, I went click, 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 click. Got a granddaughter over, yeah, and she showed me how to go ahead and put this the thing on a, a zip drive. So we ended up with way, way too many sh uh, photographs, I threw all the mountain scenes away and the waterfalls and the lakes and saved only faces and put together a 35-minute slideshow not to be used at her celebration, to actually use to celebrate the life that she still had. So we would sit while she was in the community and on my laptop I would go through the slideshow and she would go ahead and... Yeah, nod her head and comment and smile, yeah, and sometimes just nod off in here because we were getting some of the advanced stages. Uh, one time we were going through this and nodding, and she was nodded off, and I got to a, a photograph of Marilyn in her wedding dress coming down the aisle at the church we were married in, and she burst alive and the kids said, "Oh, I love that dress. That comment was worth every bit." of the effort that I put into the slideshow because she got joy from it and appreciation, as well as me. Doing the slideshow, another chance to go ahead and just enjoy the magic, if you will, of the remembrance and the joy that we had shared. So not only did you share the articles again and again with her, read them to her, you also shared the slideshow over and over again. I think this is really a good message about some of the challenges we have, you know, as our loved one progresses, how do we stay connected? How do we stay involved? And Roger's just given us a couple of great ideas right here that kind of continue to keep working. Another one that you've talked about before was playing games. Okay. And, uh, and particularly your, your fascination with jigsaw puzzles. Another fun, fun project that everybody can do, because the, there's photographs all over each of our houses, I'm sure. Yeah, in those are special memories. And with that, you can take those photographs and go to your local Photoshop and blow it up, crop it out, and come up with a scene that your loved one is familiar with and turn it into a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, and what's the key to the puzzle? Key to the puzzle, make the pieces big. Don't make it too complicated. Yeah. 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 It's not a challenge in how good they are at puzzle building. The challenge is recreate memories. You know, if we could practice the empathy to a degree that we could really get inside that person, knowing where they are at this point, they are somewhere back in their childhood. They can't process the nows but they still can process the yesterdays. So with a game playing, yeah, do something simple. Do Candyland, do Crazy Eights, you know, do, do, do War, yeah, games they played as a kid in here. 
Yeah. As I recall growing up with my children, I said, I don't want to play candy again. It's such a stupid game. But essentially, it's something that's part of each child's growing up. Yeah. And it's part of, it's part of our loved ones. How did you kind of... Uh, keep it simple. Keep it. That's good advice, keeping it simple. How did you uh, kind of organize this all? I mean, you had all these things, and they kind of flowed out of you. Did you set up some sort of a schedule, and or did you just play it by ear? How did, how did it all work out? Uh, yeah, many of the things I did, I think I did for me. Yeah, I was in the depth of depression. I was just thinking just the other day, yeah, I was so overwhelmed with the chores of being a caregiver that I wasn't processing well. And I was worried, in fact, am I going to be a victim of memory loss? So I actually, I went to a neurologist and we did a complete and totally workup on me. And the fact was, I was just plain overwhelmed. So when I would get involved in a project, that was basically therapy for me. Yeah, yeah. it made me feel whole and useful and necessary. Again, the, the power of this isn't just for Marilyn. It was for you as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to talk about the big topic, music, and uh, <laughs> your, how you both started with music and how it evolved. Okay. Marilyn and I fell in love on the USC campus. Uh, basically, we fell in love because of fraternity and sorority parties. And it's, 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 these parties, there was also... Always way too much beer, and frequently there's an old piano, and we would sing around, sit around and sing old songs. Shine on Harvest Moon. Uh, yeah, me and my gal. Yeah, fun oldies. Yeah. With that, there was a couple of guys that played a ukulele, and I said, I've got to get, I've got to have a ukulele. Well, I ended up buying, getting an old crummy ukulele, uh, learned three songs. Yeah, two of which I still remember. Uh, and uh, it, it started playing around and enjoying making noise in the area. I, I was always a raucous type. Uh, making noise and joining up. I put that away and didn't really re- redo it because, you know, the, the chores of being a dad and having kids, you know, education, creating a business and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that music and the ukulele went aside. Occasionally, it would resurface in our household. Marilyn would bang on the piano. Yeah, yeah. The kids would run around the house beating on an old pan with a, with a wooden spoon. And occasionally, I'd get out of the instrument and make some discordant songs because by that time, the ukulele was completely out of tune. Well, during her voyage and my loneliness, I recognized that I'm really missing music. They had a a music or ukulele. Didn't you call it a hootenanny? Yeah, hootenanny. Yeah, over at the senior center. So I joined along in here, and literally taught myself to play. I would take the music books that they had that had words, and they had chord symbols written beside the words, and I would diagram out the chords and go home and play with my fingers until my hands were cramped, and learn the chords. And learn to play. Well, I took that not only bring joy to my life, but joy with Marilyn because we could go while she was still home. Yep, we would sit around and we would sing the old songs together, and took that into the community when she basically progressed in the disease and was in a care community. So I got gathered up 
a booklet of about 20 sounds, uh, songs, yeah, yeah, asked, could I come in and be one of the entertaining staff? So I took this into the community, uh, encouraged them to go ahead and sing along, gave them the music. I played the ukulele, making a fool of myself, and we got you know, good participation, not 100% participation. One of my favorite memories is a lady who was basically lying flat out on her back in the room in here, paying absolutely no attention in here. I didn't know whether she was comatose or she had fainted. She was just dead still. Yeah, until we got to a song, and I forget the song. Maybe it was You Are My Sunshine. And all of a sudden, she perked up and got up alert, a grin on her face. And we touched a memory within her that brought back fun times and youthful times. It was, it was spectacular. So I still continue to do that. I do hoot nannies to go ahead and entertain myself. Oasis still has a group going, and we're going after COVID into the park tomorrow. Huh, that's great. That's great. So for those of us who maybe aren't so handy with a, a ukulele or a piano, how would you recommend that you, 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 you make music a part of not only your life but your, wife, your loved one's life as well? Maybe you're going to need the help of your grandkids, and they can go ahead and pick up on your phone a, an album of music that's appropriate for the loved one. And just with your cell phone, go in there, hum along, just sing, whistle, clap your hands, do whatever you can. Get them involved in that music. Did you find that Marilyn was sing along with you when you did this? Yes. What was her favorite song? The one that I would sing to her every time, uh, can, I t- can I tell you how much I love you? And I would actually, within that group, dedicate this song to her. Funny, funny thing happened one day as I was out in the parking lot after we did our hour of, of music with the people. There was a mother and a daughter, and they kind of looked at me, and they signaled me to come over, and they said, you may not have heard this, but something really funny happened in the back of the room. She said, when you finish playing this song, one of the residents turned to the other and said, do you think he's putting moves on Marilyn? <laughs> so another good example, this whole experience with music, especially in, in helping you, you know, care give for Marilyn, was, was also something she got out of it and you got out of it. Yeah, with something here that you may not have been aware of, uh, as I was dealing with my funk and, and trying to go ahead and feel empowered to go place Maryland within a memory community, uh, yeah, I needed support. So I basically went to a psychologist and uh, asked him, was I doing the right thing? I, I, I needed somebody to tell me that I was doing a good job and it was the appropriate thing. And one of the bits of advice that he gave me, he says, have you written your love letter? And I immediately basically got folded arms and says, I can't say goodbye. Yeah. No, he says, have you, have you written your goodbye letter, not love letter? Uh, and so I folded my arms and I said, yeah, I can't do that. I'm not ready to do that yet. And he says, I don't mean goodbye to the person. I mean goodbye to to the past. And so I sat down again and just started writing, and I said, what am I going to say? 
And the words of the song, Can I Tell You Lately How I Love You, came to me. So I used that as topic matter as I went through and wrote this goodbye letter to the past. Yeah. Very, very, very useful. What did, what did it do for you? You say useful. What, what? It, it, gave, it, it gave me the freedom of knowing that I had to let go of the past. Yeah, the past would never return. Yeah. Yeah. Part of growing through this disease is recognizing that the, the good days, the good times are not going to roll again. That's a hard decision to come to conclusion oh, about, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you reflect on your key learnings as a caregiver, um, which was for quite a few years. It was 20. 20 years. It was 20, yeah. yeah. What, what, would, what would you pass on to other caregivers who might be listening to this podcast? None of us can go ahead and do this job alone. We must look outside of ourselves. Uh, if you're lucky enough to go ahead and have a support system around you, yeah, take advantage of that support system. If you don't have one, find one. Yeah, you can't do it alone. Yeah, you can try to do it alone. Big boys don't cry in here, but unfortunately, <clears throat> yeah, they also stumble and they fall into they fall into mud holes. Uh, so build that support system. Learn, learn about the disease so you understand the disease in here. Yeah. How, how did you open yourself up to let other people in, Roger? Uh, part of that was basically learning how to accept a very difficult child and who had a difficult, difficult uh, life. He was schizophrenic. And all of his life, because yeah, I was the can-do, I can fix it guy. So, so wait a minute. This is a this is a child that you had that was a schizophrenic. Yes, child? my son. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. My son. And, uh, so we went through all the throes of the schizophrenia, uh, and all this time I was trying to fix him. We were trying to fix his diet. We were trying to take the red dye out of his food. We were trying to go put him in special schooling. Uh, I even got to a point one time when I was so desperate that I had somebody attempt an exorcism on him. Yeah, and how in the world I ever allowed that to happen, I have no idea. But I was desperate to fix him. During that process, I learned I couldn't fix him, so I had to go ahead and turn to the accepting and loving hands of God to, to basically partner with him to go ahead and share my burden. That was so useful as I grew through there that I finally got to the point with Marilyn as I was trying to fix her, was trying to fix her with vacations, I was trying to fix her with music, I was trying to fix her with medication, and I had to go ahead and just accept the fact that I couldn't. And I had to share my burden with my family, my friends, and be vulnerable myself. Yeah, a lot They're of valuable lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do it alone. Exactly. I think that's a, uh, an issue for other men as well, um, having a life of feeling like you're always in control, yeah. and then all of a sudden you can't control this. So if there's a message out there. Yeah, de depression age kids in here uh, are taught to buck up. You know, big boys don't cry. Just get out there and get the shovel in the soil. Well, that's great. Um, any other final thoughts you might have? Part of the things that have released me is I will get to a point in life that I'm feeling totally and completely out of control and overwhelmed. And I still, in spite of all I know and I talk in here, I, I allow it to happen. 
So when I'm under control, I have a red spiral notebook, and I have a big felt pen, and I open the notebook, and right at the top it says, Dear God, this life sucks. Following is a list of things I'd like to bitch about. And I let it flow. I just let it flow. It's absolutely magic. Once you go ahead and get that stuff off your shoulders, you're overwhelmed with the goodness that's in your life. And from that comes affirmation. Okay, what are you going to do about it, buddy? What kind of changes are necessary? Uh, so get, get out your red book. Yeah, let it flow. That's great advice. Whether you're a Christian or not, I am. But I think the idea of letting out all the, the sadness that you have in your life, your frustrations, your anger, uh, to a person or in writing or both is a great way to cope, yeah. to really be able to, to make it through this. Well, Roger, I want to thank you so much for your time and your effort and your insight and your wisdom. Um, you truly are a great caregiver, and it's been a joy to have you here on our uh, podcast. Thank you, Steve. Virginia, uh, anything you'd like to add? Roger, I loved everything that you said. Uh, it brought back a lot of memories. There's a lot of similarities, uh, taking care of a spouse and taking care of a mom or a dad. And, um, you know, the music thing, that was important to my mom. Uh, my brother rigged up an iPod in her room with Frank Sinatra and, oh, goodness knows, everything from the big band era and all that, and that just perked her up. Uh, she enjoyed that very much. She could actually... At a time when she couldn't remember I was her daughter, she could remember the words to hymns and on Sunday mornings would sing them. Uh, the puzzle thing, I wish I'd known you because my mother loved puzzles and I just thought it would be frustrating for her. So I never got her one. I should have. Thank you very much. You did a great job today. Well, again, Roger and Virginia, thanks so much. Uh, this is Spotlight on Care. Please tune in to other podcasts that we're doing. Uh, we're going to be posting a number of new podcasts over the next few weeks, so please join us. And uh, if you have any feedback, uh, please send us a note through UCI Mind, and uh, we're excited to, to have you a part of our family. Thanks so much. Spotlight on Care is produced by the University of California, Irvine Institute for Memory Impairments and Neurological Disorders, UCI Mind. Interviews focus on personal caregiving journeys and may not represent the views of UCI Mind. Individuals concerned about cognitive disorders, prevention, or treatment should seek expert diagnosis and care. Please subscribe to the Spotlight on Care podcast wherever you listen. For more information, visit mind.uci.edu.